0: You're listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. All right, so we are continuing our series, Christmas Lights, Shining a Light on Our Struggle. And today we are specifically looking at joy. And I don't know what it is about the Christmas season, But it doesn't always feel joyful for a lot of us if we're being honest. Um, I know for me maybe it's because it's the end of the year and so it's more time to reflect on the events of the past year or maybe it's we have gatherings with family and friends in which we notice things are just a little different this year than they are from past Christmases. But for me personally this Christmas is going to be a little difficult because It'd be my first Christmas without my two dogs. And so my first dog that I got, his name is Sammy. He's a boxer. I got him way back in 2010, uh, a few months before I went to Afghanistan. And he was very instrumental in my life, which is crazy to, to say about a dog, but as I came home from the war, I got out of the military, transitioned to college, and being a civilian, I was making a lot of bad choices. I was struggling to cope with what I had experienced. I was struggling with alcoholism and depression. And I managed to push a lot of people away. But that dog stayed by my side throughout that whole period, that whole transition of life. And he kept me busy, having to feed him, walk him, care for him, things like that. He was that one stable, consistent being in my life that I desperately needed at that point. Fast forward a few years later, in 2016, I got my second dog. And truth be told, I did not want that dog. He was a wedding gift that I got. And uh, you see, I was married prior to meeting Sierra. And she ultimately chose to pursue the things of this world. But she left me with that dog. And this dog, Charlie, who's a Boykin Spaniel. And if you guys are not familiar with Boykin Spaniels, These guys are nuts. They are balls of energy, they're hunting dogs, and they are so happy. And it's interesting to look back and see how the Lord placed these dogs at these specific times in my life, because here I was with two dogs all alone, and I have Sammy, whose personality closely mirrored mine, very calm, laid back, but also observant and protective. And then there's Charlie, who is the complete opposite of me, who is just 100 miles an hour all the time, super excited to see everybody, wants to play, and so he kept me busy as I was going through that separation and that divorce of having to play with him, having to keep him occupied, having to take him on long walks and uh, make sure he's getting all his energy out. So he made me feel needed at a time in my life when I desperately needed to feel needed, and Every time I walked in that door and saw how excited he was to see me, just made me feel so wonderful at a time when I really needed it. He also had a medical condition. Um, He suffered from seizures, and so he actually did need me. I had to give him medication multiple times a day, um, sometimes two times a day, sometimes three times a day, but he made me feel needed. But this year, rather unexpectedly, both of them uh, passed away both on a Monday, both seven months apart. It was very interesting. Um, but in a few weeks, we're going to be going up to my parents' house, and it's going to be the first time going up there without them. And it's going to be different, you know? They love going up there. I don't know what it is about going to my parents' house, but they just became different animals, literally. They would run wild and just have a blast. And so it's going to be different being there without them. And I know the same is true for many of you. That Christmas time does not always bring feelings of joy. It brings feelings of sadness. Maybe it's the remembrance of the loss of a loved one, that this Christmas will be that first Christmas when they're not there. Or maybe it's the loss of health, where you physically can't go and do and celebrate in the ways that you were so accustomed to doing. Or maybe it's the loss of a job which impacts you financially. So you can't do like you're accustomed to doing and blessing others with Christmas presents or whatever it may be. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, there's absolutely no hope for me whatsoever. I am too far gone, and there's nothing that God can do for me. Been there. But the reality is, the Christmas season doesn't always feel so joyful. But what I want to show you today from our text is how you can still have joy in the midst of sorrow. And that's because our bottom line today says that joy isn't the absence of sorrow, it is comfort in the midst of sorrow. So take your Bibles and join me. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4 today. So if you would go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at three verses together. That's 14 through 16. And when you get there, we're going to read that together. So Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, again, we just come before you and all of who you are, and thank you for just the opportunity to proclaim your word and share good news to uh, my brothers and sisters here in this room and online. And Lord, I just pray that these next few moments as we dive into your text, that you would be with us. That your spirit would guide us and give us wisdom and understanding as to what you're saying. And Father, I pray that uh, I would be faithful to the message you've given me. And if I say anything that is not from you, but is from my own lips, that it will fall on deaf ears. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to show you this morning from the text is three ways that you can have joy in the midst of sorrow. And the first of which comes from verse 14, and that is Christ must be our confession. Okay. So the first thing we need to understand about what a confession is, is what is a confession? A confession, simply put, is a statement of belief that a person bases their life on. And so for us as believers, our confession has to be Jesus Christ. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, why? And I believe the author of Hebrews gives us the answer to that question right here in the first part of verse 14. Verse 14. He says, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. So he's a great high priest, and he's passed through the heavens. And so what the author is saying is because Jesus is a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, we base our whole life on that fact. So let's unpack this a little bit more. first thing we need to understand about verse 14 is the role of the high priest And so, stay with me just for a few moments. We're going to take a road trip way on back to Genesis. So, but before then, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, tells us, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, he being Jesus, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So, simply put, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, a high priest works in the service of God, but not only that, they offer a propitiation for the sins of man. So what's a propitiation? It's just a fancy word for satisfying the wrath of God against sin. So that's what a high priest does. They offer a sacrifice of an animal to satisfy the wrath of God. Well, why do they need to do that? Let's back on up some more. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. If you remember in the garden, Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect fellowship with God the Father. But in Genesis chapter 3, sin ruined all that. Because of sin, there is a wall of separation between us and God. But that's not where the story ends. God instituted the role of the high priest so that man may continue to enjoy that relationship with God. But it's only through the sacrifice of in order to have that relationship because blood has to be shed in order for sin to be forgiven. So that's the role of the high priest. So we see the problem here. We are separated from God because of our sin. But the problem with this whole institution of the high priest is that it was never meant to be the fix-all for our sin because you have a human high priest... Who sins, sacrificing an animal for human sin. So you have animal blood covering human sin. Doesn't work, ultimately. But well, the point is, it's all ultimately pointing to something greater, to a high priest whose blood would cover sin for all time. And that high priest is Jesus Christ. And we also see he is a great high priest because he is merciful and faithful. Where every other high priest in the history of man has fallen and failed ultimately, Jesus Christ did not. He kept the law perfectly. He did not sin. That is what makes him a great high priest. But also, we see that he has passed into the heavens. So his work is not done. He is actively Fulfilling the role of the great high priest right now as we speak by interceding between us and God. No other high priest can say that. Only Jesus Christ. And so if you want to experience joy in this life, you must confess Jesus Christ as your confidence. Or excuse me, as your confession. So I've already given you one definition of confession. Confession. It's a statement of one's beliefs that you base your life on. There's a second definition I want you to understand about confession. And you might be familiar with it, but it's a legal term. A confession means that you are admitting your guilt. Think about all those cop shows that are on TV. You think about a little room where there's a table in the middle and there's a chair on each side and you have the cop on one side, you got the criminal on the other side, and they're trying to get that confession right. Tell us you did it, right? So the case can be over, you can go to jail, and everybody live happily ever after, whatever. But in order for Christ to be our confession, we must admit our guilt. Guilt of what? Guilt of sin against a holy God. You and I are guilty. Alright, so we must admit that guilt. Secondly, We need to recognize our need for a high priest. So now that we've admitted our guilt, we have a great high priest in Jesus Christ that enables us to go before God Almighty. That's where Jesus comes in. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand here. Because of our sin, the wrath of God remains on us. But Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has paid for that sin so that the wrath of God was poured out on him and not on us. That's what makes Jesus the great high priest. And so if we admit our guilt and we recognize our need for a high priest, the third way that we can have this joy is through holding fast. And that's what the author says here in verse 14 says hold fast. Hold fast. And this is a great reminder for some of us this morning that maybe you're experiencing sorrow, it's that reminder hold fast. And we do that by preaching the gospel to ourselves each day. It's not enough that we meet once a week. We need to be reminded of what Christ has done for us on a daily basis. And here's a couple ways that we do that. First, real simple, listen to worship music when you're in the car. And this is primarily me because I'm guilty of not doing that. I like to listen to rock music when I'm in the car. But listening to worship music, it's such an easy way to fix our mind on what Christ has done for us by listening to worship music and singing along and singing his praises. Secondly, spending time in the word each morning, carving out 10 minutes of your day to sit there and say, I am going to spend time in the word. I'm going to sit and listen to what God has for me in his written word. And that's how I'm going to start my day. Also means having an avid prayer life. You say, God, I'm not really feeling very joyful this Christmas season. Tell him that. Pray. God, I do not feel very joyful right now. I need you to increase that joy in my life. But pray to him. And so that is the first step to having joy in life is Christ is our confession. The second point that we see here comes from verse 15, and that is Christ is our comforter. So here in this verse, there's a lot going on. First, we see the humanity of Christ on full display, but we also see the deity of Christ on full display. First, listen to what he says. He says, he sympathizes with our weakness and has been tempted as we are. So that's his humanity there. He's experienced everything that we as humans experience. You think about in his life, what we have record of, he has dealt with heartbreak. We see that in the Gospel of John in the death of his close friend Lazarus. He wept at Lazarus's tomb. He knew heartbreak. He felt compassion. You think about his cousin, John the Baptist, who was wrongly imprisoned and beheaded. His heart was broken for that. He felt betrayal. One of his close followers betrayed him to the local authorities in Judas. He felt rejection. His own brother said, no, we don't believe what you're saying. His own hometown of Nazareth said, no, you're not the Messiah. So he knew rejection. But the bottom line is Christ, he witnessed the brokenness of humanity every day of his life on this earth. And he still sees it today as he is reigning on the throne. So that's his humanity. Now we see his deity in this verse. Look at the end of verse 15. It says, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is a profound statement. Think about the temptation of Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke all give us an account of Christ being driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where for 40 days he fasts and he is tempted by the devil. I've fasted a few times in my life, only for a day. I cannot imagine fasting for 40 days, right? Just can't imagine. And we know that it affected him physically because in Mark's gospel account, he tells us that the angels came to minister to Jesus at the end of those 40 days of fasting. So his physical body was put through it. And yet, and yet, he did not give in to sin because only God is without sin. Friends, I'm willing to bet that there is nobody in this room enduring a temptation like Christ endured during the wilderness. And I say that not to minimize what you're going through. I say that to point you to Christ who has endured what you are enduring, and he overcame. And that's good news for you and I, because if you're a follower of Christ, When sin and temptation come knocking on the door, guess what? You ain't got to open it because he's already overcome. And so, if Christ is our comforter, what does that mean for us in our daily life? Well, first, it means we need to commit to discipleship. And now, discipleship is just a fancy word for being molded into the image of Christ. That means committing to saying, I want to spend the rest of my time here on earth by being more and more like my Savior. Well, how do you do that? Well, first, means being intentional. Intentionally seeking out somebody or some bodies in this church or in your walk, say, hey, I want to be intentional with you to pour into you to make you more like Christ, or saying, hey, I want you to pour into me to make me more like Christ. So you have to intentionally Seek people out to do that. And so be praying. Church, hey, who can I be discipling? Who has God placed in my circle and in my daily walk that I could be investing in? So be intentional. Here's where it gets a little uncomfortable for most people. It means being vulnerable. It means being willing to open up to somebody and say, brother or sister, this is what I'm struggling with. I am having a hard time with this or this or whatever it may be. Or being willing to open up and share your testimony. My testimony before Christ is ugly. But that's the point, right? That's who I was before Christ. An alcoholic, an addict, somebody who did terrible things. But Christ transformed all of that. right? So being vulnerable, sharing your story with other people also means being accountable. Being willing to say, I want you to hold me accountable. So that when that brother or that sister sees you falling by the wayside or maybe not doing what you're supposed to be doing, they say, Hey brother, hey sister, pick it up. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And so that's what being committed to the discipleship looks like. It means being intentional, it means being vulnerable, it means being held accountable. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's all well and good, but nobody understands what I'm going through, right? Like, that might be your story, but that's not my story. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I want want you to hear this. Jesus does. I might be able to relate to you on some level, but Christ knows exactly how you feel right now because he has been through it. I just gave you a handful of examples from his earthly ministry. But he knows how you feel. He knows when you're sad. He knows when you're angry. He knows when you're happy. He rejoices with us in the good things that happen to us in this life. But more importantly, he stands before the Father right now, being the great high priest that he is, interceding for us. And so take comfort in knowing that we have direct access to God the Father through Christ the Son. Let Him be your comforter. So if Christ is our confession, if Christ is our comforter, the third point that I want to share with you this morning is Christ is our confidence. Let's look at verse 16 together. The author says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I know for me personally, it's easy to read over this passage and just completely miss what the author is saying here. But this is the biggest statement that he is making in these three verses. He's saying, approach the throne of God With confidence. If you think back to our first point when we were talking about the role of high priest, the high priest was the only one that could go before God because of the sin of man. But here the author is saying, you sinner and I sinner can go before the throne of God and not tiptoe in there, but walk in confidently. That is a huge statement. But that is only because of Jesus Christ, because he upheld the law. He endured the cross. He was buried. He was resurrected. And now he's saying, Because I did that, I want you to come before the throne boldly. Our confidence rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how we come boldly before the throne. And those of you with children, you think about when they they want something. They come walking in the room, maybe quietly, tiptoeing in, come stand before you with those big, sad eyes, whisper, talk faintly, saying, Mommy, Daddy, can I have this? That's not what the author of Hebrews is saying here. He's saying, you walk in before the throne of God Almighty confidently, expecting Him to hear your prayer, expecting Him to act on your behalf. That's amazing. And so my question for you, church, is this. Do you have this confidence? Do you have that confidence? And if you do, the application from this verse is this. Draw near. Draw near to the throne of God. And that means speaking honestly and plainly with him. You're sad this Christmas, tell him. You're angry, tell him. You're upset over the way things are going in your life, tell him, he wants to hear from you, his child. He wants to know these things. He wants to hear you say them because he loves you. It doesn't mean he doesn't wanna hear the bad things going on in your life. It doesn't mean that he's too busy to hear from you. No, come before the throne boldly with confidence saying, God, I am not happy with the way things are going right now. I am upset over this. I have been wrongly accused of this. This is not right. This is not fair. Do something. Draw near and tell him what's on your heart. For those of you here that Maybe you don't have that confidence. My question is, don't you want that confidence? If you don't have any assurance, any firm foundation in this life, and here it is available, don't you want it? And here's how you can have it. First, you need to recognize that Christ is the only one that could ever make things right between you and God. That's what makes him the great high priestess we've already talked about. So that's the first thing. You've got to recognize that he is the only way between you and God. And secondly, you say, God, I am sick and tired of doing it my way because it has not worked out. It means submitting to him and saying, God, you're the only one that can make things right in my life. I trust your way and not my way. That's where it starts. So as we close our time together, I'd like to end with a quote that I really love from Billy Graham, a famous evangelist that many of you are familiar with. He once said, God never takes away something from your life without replacing it with something better. And I've thought a lot on this quote and what it means and things like that. And I, as I shared from the introduction about the story with my dogs, how both of them have gone this year, um, sandwiched right in between both of their deaths. I got married. And on the day that Sammy actually passed away, right after he passed, we found out we're having a little boy. So he is given these good things. But more than that, he's given us himself. That is the something better that He gives when He takes away. He's given us Himself. That, my friends, is how we're able to have joy in the midst of sorrow. It's that we have Christ. You see, joy is not based on our circumstances. It's based on who our confession, on who our comforter is, and who our confidence is. Joy is comfort in the midst of sorrow. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we end our time together. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, just share this message that you've given me and for the truth from this passage that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And because of that, because of the shedding of his blood on that cross, we now have the forgiveness of sins. And that should be the source of our joy this Christmas season. And that doesn't minimize the pain or the heartache that we feel, but just the remembrance that we have something greater. We have Christ himself. And so, Father, as we conclude our time together this morning, I pray that your spirit would just stir in the hearts of your people that we would be reminded of all that you've done for us this Christmas season, that it all started with being born of a virgin. And Lord, we just praise you for all that you're doing in our lives, even when we can't see it. And for anyone here that is uh, not sure of that confidence that we as believers have and they wanna know more, I pray that today would be the day that you would quicken their heart to come and talk to myself or Pastor Walter to learn more about what it means to have that confidence and to experience that joy. Father, we pray these things now in your holy name. Amen.